everybody, Tom Gilson in here. Welcome to Fresh Tech Fridays. Today's guest is Matt Paletto. Uh, Matt's originally from upstate New York. He's a technical producer at Nomad Editing in Santa Monica, California. After migrating west, Matt joined Nomad Editing in 2003, where he oversees the technology infrastructure for their offices in Los Angeles, New York, London, and Tokyo. When he's not working, Matt is an avid traveler who enjoys tango dancing and beach volleyball. And welcome to Fresh Tech Fridays. Again, this is our guest, Matt Paletto, who's a technical producer at Nomad Editing. Matt hails from the East Coast, from upstate New York, and uh, came here over 20 years ago. Well, his interests include uh, photography and travel. Get into that a little bit later. Um, I learned when we were, I was gathering a little background about him for the uh, podcast today that he's also a huge fan of tango dancing. So I don't like, we're going to have to get to that one way or another. <laughs> um, but yeah, Matt, you want to tell us uh, just real quick how you ended up here, how you ended up becoming a technical producer for Nomad Editing? Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, Thank you, Tom, for having me. Yeah, I made my way out here to the East Coast about yeah about twenty years ago, and worked some odd and odds and end jobs, production assistant jobs here and there before I landed at Nomad. Uh, worked my way up. I was client service, Nomad uh, reception, and then worked my way into the vault, vault manager, and then as an assistant editor for about seven eight years, and then um, I was offered a junior editor position or this position that I'm in now, technical producer, which was sort of sorely needed for our company. Um, my boss, one of the partners, was in the role that I'm in now, which is what he'd prefer to be in, but for better or for worse, became the CFO of our company and uh, offered me this position to oversee the technical development of workflows, infrastructure, pipelines, um, but also with the importance of knowing the culture and the people and being at the company for so long to be able to you know, understand what it's like to be in an editing bay with a client sitting there, like demanding stuff to get done quick. And um, so, yeah, it's been a great journey. And uh, 10 years later, I'm still doing this role and our company's exploded in terms of locations and offices. So it's uh, been a fun, exciting journey so far. You guys, uh, you opened a location in Japan within the last couple of years, didn't you? Yeah, two years ago, which seems like yesterday. It's crazy. I looked back, I was like, holy crap, that office is two years old now. So, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So tell me, um, what are the, what are all the locations you guys have now? So LA is our home base, uh, where I started 20 some years ago is only 20 some people. And then we expanded to New York a few years later and then London in 20, 2008, 2009, and then Tokyo two years ago. Yeah. So four locations globally. And it's cool because it's, it's, you know, time zone sort of 24 seven okay which is the idea of like you know with tokyo happening as if we were collaboratively working on a big job you could pass as the sun rises and sunsets kind of thing to each office so that's the goal the big picture goal we'll have to get you some clocks i feel like when you have that many offices you have the right to have clocks behind you that says the <laughs> city everything is in you know actually to tokyo of all the locations they're they're so on it in terms of their like design whereas we're just like ah, here's an edit bay here's some gear but they're like architecturally designed they put in clocks in every room and and then each edit bay they have there is in a theme so one bay is like an la theme one's a new york theme oh. meanwhile we're just like you know it took us 20 years here in la for glenn to finally approve putting like 
a number, like the style of a number on a door. So, right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's interesting. That's great. All right, let's take a quick detour to the tango dancing thing because I just can't wait any longer. I, again, <laughs> I just like learned this about you when you I asked Matt for a little bit of information about himself uh, so I could introduce him properly. But um, let's just take a quick five minute detour. Can you tell me about the how did you get into tango dancing and <laughs> how are you how are you coping with your need to do tango dancing during the uh, coronavirus pandemic? Yeah, so is all things usually dance and all things usually with, uh, this might be stereotyping a little, but with mostly men, um, you're not like, oh, I'm going to go and take a ballroom class or learn how to salsa dance. Like, you know, you're like, I'm going to go out and play baseball or whatever, you know. Um, so I was dating a girl at the time and she was like, oh, I'm a tango dancer. So I was like, oh, uh, and I played, I played piano and been in music my whole life so i have the music ability but dancing hasn't ever really been a oh i gotta go out and do it so of course you try to impress the girl and i was like oh well I, that sounds like fun she's like oh i have this teacher in town that's really great you should take some lessons so I went to take some lessons and immediately i got bit i got addicted and uh needless to say the girl didn't work out but that's fine and uh, i like to say in the divorce i was left with tango yeah, it's been a cool, wild journey of learning about uh, tango and you learn about yourself during it because it's such an uh, intimate form of dancing because you're, you know, cheek to cheek and chest to chest, usually in close embrace within a dancer. You know, you're closer to that person that day than maybe their husband, wife, girlfriend, boyfriend is. And you're connecting on another level of uh, closeness and connection with the music that is and you're, you dance with someone for 10 minutes and then you say thank you and then you're on to the next there's a a break and then there's three or four songs that are themed together that you dance with someone for those 10 minutes and uh it's a magical journey uh it's it's something to be said for um dance and touch and and uh you know i think today i don't i don't think people hug enough or embrace enough um and maybe in western culture maybe it's a different in European culture and other countries. But I think here in Western culture in America, there's not, you know, we handshake, but, you know, warm embrace and a hug is not usually a typical introduction. So, um, but yeah, during these times, it's, it's, it's been tough. Um, it's one of those things where you're like, oh my God, I feel like your leg was cut off. Um, we're still doing Zoom stuff and theory classes and people who can at home who have hardwood floors do classes. I don't have hardwood floors, so it's it's a little tough, but, um, you know, getting by. All right. Well, after the podcast, we could discuss, but uh, I have some hardwood floors. <laughs> I'm not going to tango dance with you. I just want to put that out there right now. Um, and I guess it is kind of ironic, isn't it? You know, L.A. County has a whole list of uh, behaviors that are not behaviors, what should I say, activities that activities, are yeah. they're like different levels of risk. I imagine tango dancing w w would be like right at the top of the like most. Yeah, it's it's interesting because certain hosts and our different uh, teachers are are struggling to get by. So they're still allowing for private lessons and mm -hmm. the couples have to sign a waiver. You have oh, to, sure. You know, it's like to, a, yeah, a private, but you can't have gatherings, the amount of people and, you know. Yeah, there's... um. Some folks that uh, we work with, some colleagues from work are into swing dancing. Oh, yeah, yeah. And so those that are locked down with their partner, I think the Zoom thing is working. Yep. Those that are not, you have to, like, pretend that there's someone there. And I think Yeah, you're like, like uh, it's not the same. 
All right, so getting back to the topic of work for a second. Tell me, um, you guys obviously do some editing, motion graphics, visual effects. Tell me a little bit about, um, just at a high level, you know, what workflows are most important to the business? Obviously, as a technical producer, you're connected to both ends, right? Both the actual technology, making sure it's operational, making sure it benefits the business. And then, of course, you're on the business side, understanding what these people are doing and, you know, um, what to ask for from the tech. But how do you guys leverage technology? Maybe quickly tell us uh, pre-pandemic and then we can uh, get into the present and the future. Yeah, I mean, pre-pandemic, it was, you know, we're primarily a premier editing shop. Um, New York does more Avid, but predominantly all the other offices are generally premier. So we have that going for us with the traditional setup in an edit bay. Um, then the finishing visual effects side is uh, a lot of flame work um, with flames in each location. And on the other side, we also have like After Effects, Nuke and Mocha and that workflow that if you don't need the flame, you can do that on the side. Um, and that's all great and fine when you're, you know, at the office and, you know, you have your SAN and your high speed, you know, SAN that can do all the, the fast workflows. And yeah, like you said, on the producing side, knowing the, the workflows and knowing what it's like to be in an edit bay with clients and in this role, you want to approach it as what is the best way to have that editor, that assistant get the job done um, with minimal hassles and minimal downtime. So, um, yeah, and it's it's me working with, um, you know, you guys and our finishing uh, VFX company, Metro Video, um, for the flame side of things. And it's, uh, you know, it's a collaborative process of, you know, I get these orders of like, oh, hey, we got to make sure we're doing this between New York and LA. And then I come to you guys with that, uh, that problem or that issue we have to fix. And then, you know, you guys and us sit there and go, okay, what's the best way to do it? And here's price points for certain things. And, uh, you know, at the end of the day, you know, you have a certain amount of money to do X, Y, Z. So you have to figure out each year after NAB, like, okay, well, we'd love to do all this. That's our wish list, but prioritize, where goes what and spend for how long can we get by? Can we kick the can down the road for, you know, a few more months, that kind of thing. So that was pre-pandemic. Okay. So then rolling into, I guess, when it was like right in the middle of March this year, for those of you that uh, are joining us for the first time or weren't on previous podcasts, we, uh, we had sort of a, a series of uh, web broadcasts right as things kind of hit in terms of like, people turning the corner and making the transition. But yeah, Matt, like briefly take us back to you. So all of a sudden you find out that every office everywhere, not even just in LA, but everywhere is going to be closing. And at that point, we think it's just for a couple months, right? Or at least that was what the media had led. That was what I chose to believe at that time. I think <laughs> I think that was definitely an era where the since nobody knew the future, the, the truth was a bit elusive. But I know for us at DZ, we're thinking, okay, this is going to be 60 days, 90 worst case, yep. right? Um, so kind of tell us about what steps uh, you took then and, and why, and then um, not to make this too many facets to this question, but then tell us as you slowly realized it was not going to be 60 days, <laughs> you know, did you make additional adjustments or were you able to just kind of hold position with your initial response? Yeah, so... Us, fortunately, you know, with having the one office in New York who is sort of the 
I guess you could say epicenter of where the first cases started showing up. Um, and thankfully we had, you know, a few producers in the office who were those like, Oh my God, like panicking and going like, um, should we start making contingent plans? Because this doesn't look good. And so we had almost like, I don't know, week and a half, two weeks sort of heads up, um, with that current, because it wasn't really in the media news yet. Um, there were rumblings about it, you know, just over in China, but nothing here in the U S so we sort of had time to come up with contingency plans of like, okay, if we get an order from the state of California, like close down now, what are we going to do? What are our plans? Like we have all these jobs going on right now. How are we going to make contingency plans for that? So fortunately, because in New York, we were able to disperse contingency plans for each office, you know, take home, assign nomad equipment, sign it out to people, make sure they have footage on their drives, copy from the sand, make sure you have everything get people set up with VPN that they normally weren't set up with VPN. Um, you know, basically just sign out sheet. Here's your gear, put it in your car, go home, set it up. Then you had to also account for certain confidential black work we are working on that is sensitive. So we had certain clients who had to sort of adjust their uh, rules of the road documents of like, okay, we realize you're not going to be in an edit bay with an access control panel camera on the door and, you know, restricted access. You're going to be at home in your den slash office with your kids running around behind you. So um, they had to sort of change and adapt and allow because it was like, okay, if you get, you want your work to get done, the state of California is like, we're at home. We can't be at the office. So you're in the same boat. We're in the same boat. So everyone, that was the cool thing about it is everyone is sort of like, oh crap, like, we're facing this all together. It's not like nomad. It's just like, oh, we're shutting down and the rest of the world is going right. on. Yeah. Um, so people are more understanding, more understanding of, oh, my upload speeds at home are really crap. And, you know, oh, well, it takes three hours to get this file instead of five minutes. Everyone's like, okay, well, we're on the same timetable. So, yeah. Um, so yeah, fortunately, we had enough time to plan. Then as the realization came in, like, oh, this isn't just two months and not three months. This is going to go on for almost probably the end of the year. Um, we were able to get, it, it was, it was sort of uh, encouraging and, and um, a really positive thing because you started to realize like, okay, well, yeah, we have all this fancy equipment here at our, our company, but we were able to still get the work done maybe 10, 15% slower and not as efficient. But our clients were like, we got so many emails from different clients saying like, like hats off to you. We, we love what you guys are doing. You, you got work done during all of this at a, you know, very limited capacity of people being dispersed at home. So, um, it was sort of like a pat on our back, like, Oh wow. Okay, cool. So like, if we're able to get work done like that, like when we finally get back into the office, it's like, you know, maybe it's a, a bad thing because now they're gonna be like, well, wait, now you're back at the office. So the level of work, you're going to need it like hundred yeah. percent more. So, um, but then it was me um, over those three, four, five months. Um, I've probably been on 100,000 some webinars left and right. It feels like in the 20 years I've been here, you know, I've probably taken more in those last few months. Is it speed up your, you know, syncing features to get people media from home? Is it, you know, checking out other different file sharing services? Is it the cloud? Is it Wasabi? Is it Filecat? You know, it's all these all the above and then you have to sort of figure out each office and what their needs are for their location and you don't want to like go whole hog in on a thing that is only for one office and costs a lot of money um 
So it's sort of been sort of just test the waters right now. We're still getting work done. If it was one of those things where the clients were like, oh, we're not getting it done, we would spend money on getting a solution in place. But um, the cool thing with all this, I guess the silver lining is that I think companies have, you know, like a lot of companies are like, oh, here, we'll give you a three three month demo trial to be able to use our service for free because of the situation the world is in. And, you know, Aspera is like, oh, we'll give you free cloud service for, you know, 90 days. And all these other companies are allowing companies like ours and others to sort of test because they know people don't want to spend money now because they've had to cut back potentially. So um, it's been a nice sort of thing in the tech field to be a little bit more open. And, and also technology is sort of, I think, advanced a little bit more. Companies are going, oh, how can we change our way? Because there's probably going to be a combination of people working from home and also in the office, but it's not going to be everyone all in the office at one time. So you got to sort of change your business model with that. Yeah, that's a great segue, actually. So um, our high-level topic today is work from anywhere. Uh, and I, I chose that because there's work from home, which we've all, always had. And even like at DZ, where the culture is very much us working in an office is how we bring our, our greatest to our clients. As our technical staff has continued to evolve, and you know, where people are getting more and more experience and, and having smarter and smarter people that can operate aut- autonomously, so there's work from home and we're familiar with that. Again, Matt, one of the reasons I thought you'd be a great person to do this today is that you, I think we all thought the work that you guys were doing really needed to be done from an office. So uh, there was a guy that was on a previous podcast about this who had like submitted a question. Uh, and he said, now that the cat's out of the bag. And I, I thought that was a pretty good analogy. Um, yeah. You know, I, obviously, if, you know, I manage some people. And as it turns out, we can get. 99% of our work done remotely. So yeah, now that the cat's out of the bag, and especially for you guys where people are really kind of, you know, handcuffed to these expensive rigs, you know, flames and whatnot. Um, and there's the concept of a client bay, right? Where the point is that, you know, the real estate you're in is important in a client bay. People call it the hero bay. You know, you've got your client there and you're trying to provide as much real-time change to the video and effects as possible. Yep. But um so there's work from home, there's the way it was, and then now there's you know, work from anywhere. So I had another client who called me and said, uh, because things were taking so long that one of their uh, key artists had decided to, I don't want to say the middle of nowhere, but it decided to move to somewhere quite remote where they were going to upgrade their internet connection, but basically they weren't, you know, the kind of place where you go into town to go to the grocery store. Yep. One traffic light. Yeah. And so anything that they didn't send them there with, like when they moved, they were going to have to ship it there. And that was going to take some time. So they were really concerned about, okay, can we put together a work from anywhere package Uh, or hotels in Las Vegas keep inviting me to come uh, (laughs) work out. Yeah. Work from the hotel room in Vegas. And go gamble at the same time. Yeah. I'm a little concerned about which way the money would be flowing. When I when I work, I want to get paid for my time, not lose money. So I'm not <laughs> sure if that would would work. But um, have there been any rumblings of that for you guys, or or you know, and alternately, what do you think the landscape looks like? I haven't talked to anybody who thinks 100% of people will return to 100% of offices 100% of the time. But I feel like the pendulum's eventually got to swing back the other way once there's a vaccine or some sort of treatment. Yeah, I think it's an interesting period because. 
like you said, the cat's out of the bag. And now you're like, oh, we can get work done. Albeit, like I said, a little bit slower in certain areas. But the actual physical, physical work of an artist sitting on a station is it's getting done. You know, obviously you're not in a creative collaborative environment where you have, you know, someone sitting behind you and it's the back and forth thoughts um, that fuel that process. Um, but, you know, there's other ways you can Zoom meetings. For us, it's right now, I, I don't foresee anyone coming back client wise because now it's more of a liability issue. Um, corporations of those companies with the agencies are not allowing their employees to travel. So um, until, like you said, a vaccine or things loosen up a little bit, um, that you might see people back in. But I, w what I envision is a hybrid coming out of this is that there's going to be the realization that work can get done. You still might need that in-office thing for, you know, the person who has to literally press a button on a server that, you know, unless you have a robot coming around your facility doing that, um, you're still going to need that physical presence for that. But I think it's going to be a combination of, oh, when it gets to the final review part, the client, the creative is going to be like, oh, I want to come in. So then it's they come in for those two days and it's a flame artist, the creative sitting in the bay and maybe an assistant and that's it. So I think companies are going to start realizing like, oh, we don't need this full, huge real estate footprint. We can get by with just having X amount of bays and and uh, sort of cycle people in and maybe have the, you know, the big staff meetings, you know, once a month, um, but sort of have more of a flexible work from home, work at work work from anywhere kind of thing that I think will be championed and pushed along with new technology that allows everyone to do stuff better and quicker and, and faster and get around those hurdles that we're in currently right now. Yeah, I think the other thing is, you know, necessity is the mother of invention. And it definitely seems like uh, there are definitely some issues with trying to have, especially the larger your staff, uh, creative teams work and collaborate remotely. However, I don't think anyone can deny that it's not as hard as we, as uh, a lot of folks made it out to be. So present company included, I think I thought it would be a lot harder. So then it just becomes a question of exactly if, if, if either is a choice, if you can work from home or in an office versus, uh, you know, having to do one or the other, what does the future look like? And it's funny, another thing I, I was thinking about a lot is that it appears that it's so in the past, I think when an organization didn't have a significant real estate footprint um, that often it was looked at as an excuse when someone said, well, a lot of our people are working remotely. That was kind of a way to say like, actually, we don't have a lot of full-time employees, or if we do, we don't believe in them enough that we want to invest, you know, tens of thousands of dollars a month in real estate to house right. those employees. Right. Yep. You know, they're all freelancers kind of thing, or they're yep. all Contract. hired guns. Yeah. Working from home. But I think that, image is going to be dispelled permanently now because realistically now that it's evident that working remotely can get you same or similar results and to your point at least in the in the short and medium term forcing people to return is going to be on a case-by-case -case basis that's going to be another thing right along with uh, health benefits and salary and company culture and quality of life that it's yep. going to have to be used to attract the best talent, right? And of course, in my business tech and in yours, you know, the creative side of things, the best talent is super, super important. Yep. Yeah. Um, and I found that, that during this period too, it was interesting that you went through waves of like getting used to this idea of, of not having everyone around in the office. 
so when you actually did see people and you had to go in and you know that person you hadn't seen for a month comes in and you're like it it made it almost you're like oh i missed that person you know that yeah know, whereas like you saw him on a day-to-day basis you're just like oh yeah, yeah, yeah i've seen tom like every day of the week and it's nothing special but then like you you know catch up after a week or two and um yeah it definitely changes the social dynamic of office the idea of an office and what that means big picture and so what do you think the i guess last but not least you know what do you think about if you had to guess i promise i won't play this back for you six months from now but based based on what we know now so number one it wasn't 60 days then i was like we're going to be back in july for sure that was my next prediction also wrong yep um and then I really just started to get comfortable with, you know what, 2021 will be a fresh start. And, you know, depending on how optimistic or cynical you are about, you know, mainstream media, I tend to believe most of the information coming from big media outlets. It looks like there's going to be something, some news at least, towards the end of the year. But then, of course, the question is, even if there was a vaccine, would it be widely available? Would people take it, et cetera, et cetera. So what do you think when you look forward to January, February, March of next year, where do you think nomad editing is and where do you think, you know, the world at large is? Yeah. Um, I think that's the million dollar question right now. Um, I, I think, I think it's going to co- be a combination of things. I think, like you said, a lot of this stuff related to either vaccine when it's available, if, and when, how many people actually are going to take it, herd immunity, all that scientific stuff um, plays into, you know, big picture decisions of corporations from all sizes down to companies like ours making decisions on, you know, are we going to get back to sort of the back to normal pre-COVID times? And um, are we going to do a combination of things? Um, I mean, as you probably know from the email that you got too, is, you know, NAB is now pushed off to October. Or September, yes. October, I think. October, yeah, um, they pushed it out just about six months. Um, so probably in anticipation of, although NAB would be, that would be right up there with tango dancing in a yeah. large group of people, right? Just from like, around the world, <laughs> saw the different right? people traveling from every continent, and it's the second largest convention in Vegas. So right. yeah, probably Not good a, definition of high risk behavior. Yeah, yeah. Um, and I think it's going to get to the point where. You know, I've, I've said this from day one. It's like it's sort of become part of now our lives and we're going to have to it's we're going to have to move on. You know, life goes on and not to say that, you know, we should ignore these things or, you know, ignore, you know, the the awful deaths that happen with all this. But life goes on. And I think it's it's going to take a little bit for people to get comfortable getting back into the flow of things and the, you know, the way it used to be before all of this. and. Um, Embrace the new ways that, you know, business functions, um, the social, I think the social psychological aspect is going to be a, a harder thing to overcome than the technology. I mean, as you know, it's like technology is always there to fix things. It's changing the cultural way of, and the way people think about using technology to make sure it doesn't get in the way of their, their work. Um, yeah, I mean, nomads knock on wood, um, We've been doing really well during all of this, fortunately, and surprisingly, our New York office has been doing the best out of all the offices, um, which oh, is where the center was, yeah. um, even better than last year. Um, so, 
you know, jobs keep coming in. There's always going to be companies that want to sell their products. So, you know, it seems to be good so far. And I, I think there's going to be this upswing from what I've heard from our partners is, you know, there's been this lull during a few months back. And then now all of a sudden the companies are like, oh, we want to get advertising out there. And yeah. sh- production shoots have been going on. We've done a few. I, I, I like to say I, I look at the half glass filled instead of half glass emptied kind of person. Um, and I think people in general want to do good. And I, I think that's going to be sort of the mantra. Hopefully, you know, maybe it's not what people feel like when they watch the news uh, or read the news online or social media crap. But um, I think in general, people want to move move on and, and do do it in the right way. But, you know, let, yeah, let's uh, do it. It's the broken bone thing, right? Like we broke a bone, there's a cast on it. Even when that cast comes off, that muscle is going to be a little atrophied. It's going to feel a little weak, but eventually, hopefully we'll get back to normal. Again, whatever that means. Uh, and I, I do think eventually things will be as they were. I just think my original theory of how long that was going to take just could not have been more wrong. I really thought that this was another... I'm not going to reference like past tragic events because I think comparing past tragic events is the road to nowhere. But, you know, other news events that as a small business owner, right, I've seen stuff like there'll be a big dip for a couple months and then things come back. And that's just this is going to be, I think, a much more slow recovery. And it's encouraging to hear. I I'm really encouraged to hear about, you know, the pent up demand. We have a variety of clients and a variety of businesses um, and. Believe it or not, some of the ones that were hardest hit, like um, hospitality, for example, not restaurants, but hotels, they are slowly coming back. And I'm not afraid or ashamed to admit I've stayed at a hotel since this whole thing happened. Yeah. Not something I do on a, on a, uh, my appetite for risk is that's kind of right on the edge of it. (laughs) Um, But yeah. Well, there's a, speaking of traveling, there's a lot of uh, uh, amazing travel deals right now, uh, FYI. Um, I mean, because they are, the tourism industry has taken a bit of a hit, obviously. Yeah. Um, but a lot of them now, like TravelZoo.com is doing uh, amazing deals where you can get a fully refundable. You, can, you have to pay for it up front, but the trips are like 50, 60% off these deals or more. But you have two years to use it, December of 2022. And if okay. you don't use it by then, 100% refund. Gotcha. Now, are all those trips to the same casinos in Las Vegas that come <laughs> <three rooms? laughs> No, it's all, all over the place from trips to Bali to hikes in the Himalayas to oh, wow. safari tours in Africa. It's all Europe, you name it. So if you have a little, you know, cash on the side to, you know, for a future trip, it's. Yeah. I've always wanted to go to Sicily. Maybe now is the time to buy the buy the ticket or something. Yep. Um, yep. All right. And last but not least, before we wrap up here, um, obviously your list of uh, so tango dancing is is pretty out for you. Um, so like it's Friday. What are you doing? What are you doing this weekend? Oh God. Uh, let's see. I will be catching up on laundry. I know that sounds exciting. It's got to get done. <laughs> got to get done. Um, yeah, I'm going to actually be working on some of my photos that I have stuck in my Lightroom catalog. And you're just like, oh, I'm going to get around to that, you know, and now's the time to do that. Um, I've been getting out doing a lot of walking um, with, you know, a closed group of friends. Um, yeah. Where can we see your photos? Are you online anywhere that you want to mention? Yeah, I am. Uh, it's uh, MatthewJPhotos.com. All one word. All right. 
Matt, thanks a lot for doing this today. We really appreciate it. It was a lot of fun and, you know, just figuring it out as we go. Um, I think. Yeah, thank you for having me. It was fun. And join us in another two weeks for Fresh Tech Fridays. This is Tom G and Matt Paletto signing off. Thanks, Tom. Take care, everyone. Thanks again for joining this week's episode of Fresh Tech Fridays. I'm your host, Tom Gilsonen. I want to thank Jason Johnson for composing our theme music, RSPE, and especially Russ for help with some engineering and equipment, Dell Technologies for helping sponsor some episodes of the podcast, Kayla Robeson, DZ Solutions Marketing Director for helping make this all possible, and last but not least, our fearless audio engineer, Jeff Rockland, engineering from afar. If you want to learn more about Jeff and his projects, I encourage you to check out his Relief Valve podcast that you can find wherever you find your podcasts. Thanks again, and see you next time.